Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Barocco and I'm joined as ever by Steve Carroll. Evening, Steve. Evening. Well, we've got a couple of games to chat about this evening. The uh, 1-0 win away at Blackburn, which was uh, very much welcomed. And the spirited goalless draw at home to Sunderland. Let's start off chronologically, Steve, and let's go back to the game at Ewood Park. Yeah, um, we should have conceded in the first minute, if we're being honest, shouldn't we? I mean, there could have been a very different game, I assume, if that had gone in. But um, luckily it didn't. But we were really carved apart there, weren't we? It wasn't, um, you know, Blackburn would be furious that they didn't score. It was a sitter, really, in the grand scheme of things, wasn't it, that chance? Yeah, got to be honest. When you when you see him one-on-one then, he's just knocked it wide of the far post. And you're thinking, how is he not buried that? And you have to think that if it was anything other than the first, seconds of the game he'd have stuck it away um, perhaps caught a little bit cold uh, got away with that and like you say if that goes in then you just don't know do you? they're going to have their tails up we're going to be rocked and it probably it normally takes us about 15-20 minutes to wake up in games anyway and just kind of get into our rhythm so being 1-0 down that early on would have been less than ideal and I know it's all if buts and maybes though isn't it Steve because after that we grew into it after what 15 minutes or so into the game then and uh, you know a lot more uh, control from our perspective then Yeah I mean the the key incidents really were the fact that we had a couple of offside goals early on wasn't it I mean because of the the angles it's it's hard to tell for certain isn't it I think if um, you know Jamal Lowe was offside or not but I mean my instinct really was that the first one, which was the tap-in, that probably was offside. But the I don't second think the one, second one, one was, though, do you? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The second one with the through ball, that seemed to me more like it was probably on. So that was frustrating, yeah. really, because that was a nice move, a great pass. Lowe was finished well. And obviously, it's been chalked off. Now, like we say, we do, we're not certain of this, but from the angles that we had, like as you've said, really, it looked like a goal, didn't it? So... That was frustrating, really. So, you know, I mean, it's there isn't VAR in, the, in this division. And I think if we're being honest, if you look at some of the games that have gone on recently, I think it's got to be re- a good thing because, you know, some of the decisions are, are baffling and they're taking an eternity. And even then, they're not always conclusive. So, but I think it w- what would have been nicer from our point of view probably would have been to have had more angles at least so you could see if it was right or not. But my instinct, just like yours, was that the second one was... Uh, was onside really so that was frustrating wasn't it I think from memory it looked like it was going to be cut out before it reached low and it just carried on going through and because he was he started his run when the initial ball came over by the time it did reach him it looked like well he was in an offside position but the ball had travelled a long way in that time and obviously he started his run from deep I, I thought watching the replays as you say it was a poor angle to judge from but from watching the replay we got, it looked like the linesman didn't expect it to get that far and and shit himself basically and didn't know what to do. So so flag went up. It did look like I, I suspect if we had the definitive angle, you'd see that he was probably a yard or two on because the ball travelled a long way before it got through to him. Yeah, exactly. That was the that was my thoughts on it really. But um, you know, unfortunately it it wasn't given, was it? But at least we didn't have uh, too long to wait for that goal. And to be fair, it was a really good finish, wasn't it, by Liam Callum with that sweet curling shot. Probably a goal that he needed because 
Yeah, you know, last year, I, I know he's got his critics at times, he scored 10 goals for us. Yeah. But I mean, this year he hasn't scored so many. I know he hasn't played um, down the middle probably as often as he, he would like. But um, at the same time, that was uh, that was a really good finish when there obviously it, it did prove to be um, the decisive goal as well, didn't it? But, um, you know, that Cullen, a lot of his goals have been tap-ins really, haven't they, when you, you think back to it. But um, that one certainly wasn't. It might be the best goal he scored for us. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's Cullen gets important goals, which is something you can't always attribute to every striker. Some strikers are, are kind of like flat track bullies who score, you know, the second in the three 0 win or something like that. You know, you get the goals that kind of really are the difference between wins and losses quite often. I, I remember, of course, even scoring a massive goal in that playoff semi final at, at Reading, or was it not the playoff semi final? Sorry, the last game of the season when we, we won to take Nottingham Forest place. Um, that was a massive goal in that game. And uh, he's, he scored um, the opener, Bristol City, down down here in the season, albeit we went on to lose that game. But it was still, in the context of the game, a, a massive moment. It wasn't like, you know, Bristol City had given up the ghost or anything. So he, he does t- tend to come up and, and shoot up in, in important moments. And he was... Very unlucky not to score uh, a month or so ago with a, a rasping long-range shot that uh, keeper tipped onto the crossbar. Um, so it's it's it felt like it's been coming with him. I think um, he's spoken himself, been disappointed about not opening his account or not scoring as many rather this season. Um, but he was carrying on going, and uh, you know it was great. You know, great to see from a striker's point of view that you know he still got the confidence to take it on. Uh, cutting in from the the right wing and it's, he's killed a beauty there, isn't he? You know, into the far side, um, and he'll be delighted. And again, you know, it's proven to be pivotal, as you say. Yeah, it was like you say. He has scored quite a lot of important goals. You, you think back last season, where we were on that struggling run and the the run that broke it against Bristol City, where he got the um the first goal. Obviously, it was a goal at Cardiff, wasn't it? Um, yeah. You know, like you said, that that goal. I think that Red one might have been his first goal. Certainly, one of his first goals for yeah, us. Yeah, right. Think. That helped us into um, the playoffs, didn't it? But um, I think did he score an equaliser at Coventry? I think last season as well. That was. These are just off the top of my head. So I'm thinking as well. Um, Plymouth uh, the other week, where uh, after a, a bit of a drab first half, he's um, he's come the closest with that curler. The keeper's just tipped wide again. He's, he's getting into those positions, isn't he? So. You know, you, you want to see a local local lad come good, you know, make the difference and stuff like that. Everyone likes to see that. So, you know, it's particularly pleasing to see in that instance. And you just know what you know with him, you know, whether you think he's, you know, got the natural quality or not is is subjective. But, you know, with him, he, he won't stop giving, you know, for the for however long he's on the pitch, because um, I think the other day, for example, we'll come to this shortly, but he was a bit of a. Uh, a sacrificial lamb against Sunderland with the the referee's decision dictating the way that game would go. Um, but you know he's 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 not one to to grump and throw his toys out the pram. You know he he knows what he's doing and knows sometimes he's got to come off tactically. And you know he, he's never going to be one to grumble. He's 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 living his dream at the end of the day. Well, it does feel like that with him, doesn't it? You know what I mean? He's not like I'm not saying Cullen would be happy to necessarily be a backup. But I don't think either he would kick up a fuss. I mean, we should probably, in general, discuss the fact that he's out of contract in um, in the summer. I mean, that's because that's something that's going to be needs to be looked at, really, isn't it? Because 
from my point of view, I certainly wouldn't want him to leave. I think, you know, there are question marks over whether he should be first choice, I think. But at the same time, I think, you know, he, he's definitely someone that deserves to, to be here and would be probably be someone that's good to bring on if you need a goal, for example. And, you know, at the moment, really, he's doing a job out of position, isn't he? Because, yeah. you know, he, he's not a wide player, but obviously we weren't going to play with wide players. We've now decided to do that, but we don't have any. So we're, we're having to put people out of position like we have done in the past. So, you know, but I, I certainly hope he stays. I, I don't think he'd ask for crazy money either. I think you could offer him a reasonable deal, you know, a couple of years extension and he would take it. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that would be a, a good move for us, really. And, you know, I wasn't sure how much he was going to play this season. But, I mean, certainly since the transfer window shut, he's he's been in the team for most games, really, hasn't he? So you'd have to say, really, that he's first choice and he... He certainly will be at least until the, the transfer window opens and where we might have a chance, obviously, then to bring in, um, you know, a couple of wide men and then maybe he'll either be considered for that or to, to go back up front to his natural position. But, um, mm. yeah, I mean, what, how do you see it? Do you think he'll, he might go elsewhere or would you do you think we should be looking to extend? Well, to be honest with you, when the transfer window just gone, there was a lot of talk that of all teams, Blackburn, we were just talking about, that they were looking to get him in. Um not as a direct replacement for Brereton Diaz, but certainly someone they looked to, to bolster their front line with, having lost him. Um, so, you know, they were considering that move, but obviously nothing came of it. Now, whether that was because he was already featuring as part of our first team picture and, and that was us saying no, or, or the player himself saying, look, you know, I'm happy to stay here. But one way or the other, that move didn't materialise and you, you have to think that, you know, he's very much in favour here. The manager likes him. We can't say that for every player um, that we've got in our books. So he, you know, he, he should continue to feature. Um, you know, there is an argument to say that, you know, potentially he could make a stake a claim to, to be slotting in up front, you know, and, and you know, Yates isn't uh, firing on all cylinders the last few weeks and, and maybe an opportunity to give him a break and move Cullen back into his natural position. But, Long term, Steve, I, I think he's well worth an extension. You know, if he if he gets us, um, you know, seven, eight goals from a, a natural position this season, having topped up, like you say, with double figures last year, he's not going to break the bank, is he? And he's he's certainly someone who you, you know, even if we did improve the starting 11 to that extent, he's someone you'd name on your bench every week as, as someone who could come on, get in the right position because he has that striker's instinct. He always finds himself, oh, I can't even remember how many goals he scored last season off Perot's chances, you know, just being in the right place at the right time, just stick it in. And like you say, they often appear then, you know, they are tap-ins, they are just, you know, slot into an empty net. But so often you see the striker's just not there to do that. So to have someone you can put in that position, he, you know, you'll find that gap in between the defenders is, um, is, a, is a, you know, is a, bit of a commodity you can't really afford to overlook and I think he would be worth an extension of a year a year or two you know just to have that option and um, whether or not he's a long-term starter well, it depends on our business really doesn't it yeah I think so I mean but at the moment you'd have to say that he's you know he's certainly worthy of a place in the squad at least so and as you say I mean I don't think Yates has been brilliant in recent weeks so you know there would be the option potentially of of moving them up front. But um, I, th- I think the big thing is, like we saw with Oberfemi, didn't we, last year, that if he's not playing, the guys are pain in the backside. And, you know, that yeah. doesn't help the squad, doesn't help morale and this type of thing. Whereas I couldn't see Cullen being a pain in the backside either. So, you know, that, that reflects well on him then. And, 
you know, it, it always makes you think that you don't. He's not somebody you really want us to to lose. I think it would be a silly move, really. So I do hope that there's something going on in the background and they get it sorted out before the transfer window opens, really, because you know I I think it'd be wise move for us to um to tie him down for another couple of years. It's another one I'm going to mention. I feel like we mention it every week, every game we talk about, but. You have to talk about Carl Rushworth again and how pivotal he is to the upturning form that we've seen over the past couple of months and the results we're getting off the back of it. And almost all of them have been because of his interventions. Yeah, he's played a key role in a lot of our games where we've picked up points, hasn't he, really? So, you know, it's, it's been a great sign then. You've got to say, I mean, you're looking at Rushworth now and thinking he might be our best goalkeeper since Fabianski, really. So, He's making so many good saves, and you know there have been one or two mistakes, as we as we know. But you know everybody does make the odd one. But Rushworth really has proven his his worth for us, isn't he? And you know you do wonder where we'd be if we hadn't signed the goalkeeper. So mm. it's you know Rushworth without doubt has to be one of our players of the season. He's he's making big saves all the time, and you just if the opposition are creating chances, you you just look at him and think this guy might just dig us out of trouble here, and obviously. You know, if you've got a goalkeeper like that, it's it's a huge thing, really, isn't it? So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Rushworth's career. But I mean, I'm, I'm so it's great that we've obviously got him for the rest of this season, and I'm hoping that we might still be able to um, keep hold of him next year as well, because he, he'd be a, a real asset for us. But um, you know, like you say, he, he's making big saves and he's gained us a few points without a doubt, isn't he? Well, I, I, I tell you what, I mean, I know we spoke about this about a month ago, but I'd be shocked if he wasn't playing Premier League football. And, you know, maybe even for, you know, his parent club, Brighton, I know they have gone from strength to strength since, um, you know, well, since Potter went there. But, you know, he is at a level, and we can talk about it, having seen and, and witnessed where the standard of Premier League goalkeepers were when we were in there and stuff. And, and you just think this guy has come into this team. And it's, it, you talk about his his crucial shot stopping and it is a massive asset of his but it's his his positioning as well and his distribution he's he's the he's the full package really isn't he and like you say his career could go from strength to strength i would be at this moment very surprised if he doesn't end up capped by england because he looks like you know the, the sort of player that you know would come through he's, he's still very young he's got youth on his side and um you can just see a natural progression there for him. You know, he needs another good loan, of course, next season if he's not going to make the Brighton team. But oh, I can't imagine there'll be any shortage of suitors. Yeah, well, I think that's what will give us a chance maybe of having him again next year because Brighton have just spent £20 million on a goalkeeper in the summer. And I mean, they're going between him and Jason Steele at the moment. I think they haven't really made their minds up over the number one is. But I just don't really see a team spending £20 million on a goalkeeper if they had someone waiting in the wings that they feel could be close to the first team at this stage. I mean, I'd have thought they would have just stuck with Steele for this season and then be thinking about Rushworth for competing with him next season. But the fact they bought a goalkeeper makes me think that's not the case. So I think you could easily see a situation like you did with Freddie Woodman, where you know Newcastle just decided, right, well, Woodman did well, last, uh, did well for one season. He's guaranteed to play. So they'd be happy to send him for another one. So I do think there would be a chance of another one. But... I mean, like I said, the, the fact is, for someone like Rushworth, would be wasted on the bench, and he's still very young. So if he can yeah. be up alone, gaining experience, then I could certainly see him um, potentially being with us for another year. And 
yeah, I don't think anyone's going to uh, complain about that, are they? Because, like you say, he is a top goalkeeper, and um, you know, he, whether you'll play for England or not, I think you know it's a it's a bit of a way in the future. But I certainly wouldn't rule it out at this stage because what we've seen from him then he's certainly a goalkeeper. I would think that long term can could be another one in the Premier League. But um, you know, for now, let's just hope he uh, carries on doing well for us. Oh yeah, well the intrigue with him, of course, is you know is, is that. Brighton couldn't always certainly be sure. I mean, he had the year in League Two, did well at the year in League One, did very well. He's made the natural progression up to the Championship now, and he's absolutely bossing it. I'd be surprised if he doesn't in talking for goalkeeper the year in this league. So, where do Brighton send him next? You know, he has to really take the next step. It's either going to be for them, or it's obviously going to be in the Premier League. You think um, because you know he, he he's proven himself to be. I want to say too good for this league but he's certainly one of the best keepers the league has to offer so I, I, I'd be surprised if he does play back for us but love the optimism and I, you know like you say Freddie Woodman spent a second year with us so it could be something that they you know just say well you know what we're really happy it's progression and you know he's, he's, he's really enjoying his football down here so let's make sure that he goes somewhere where he's going to play 46 games a year um, you know it, it, it's not beyond the realms of possibility uh, what's going on in Brighton's mind about him who knows but they'll be delighted they got that player as their asset because um, he's tearing it up but to be honest with you defensively it's so resolute it's, I think the word I keep coming back to Steve is is professional the way we deal with the opposition's threat this season in direct comparison I suppose to our most recent memories of our defending in the last couple of years it's, it's been calamitous isn't it we've just gifted goals with silly defensive mistakes and overplaying at the back and we've 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 bemoaned that time and time again on these podcasts but this season there just seems to be a little bit of maturity in the way we handle the opposition threat and it, you know again it's, 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 it's no surprise that we've come away from Ewood Park with a clean sheet you know we we've dealt with the opposition threat yes we've we've had the goalkeeper to thank and you know a, a couple of one or two maybe mistakes that Blackburn would have rather you know obviously see hit the back of the net but realistically we, we we've stepped it up this season and we're dealing with uh, opposition attacking threat yeah we certainly there has been an improvement defensively isn't there I mean we've We've still conceded a few goals, mind, um, and I think Rushworth is the key reason why it hasn't been worse, really. But um, look, I mean, we, we've highlighted that chance in the first minute, haven't we? At Blackburn, and if that goes in, it could be different. But I mean, after that, there were a great deal of, of big chances, were there? I think they had one or two. There was one, I remember, in the second half that was pulled wide. So you know, they'll they'll be disappointed with that. But um, no, I mean, I think there's, there's a definite improvement. We're certainly not gifting some of the ridiculous goals that we. We did last year. I mean, we're not seeing goalkeepers now, you know, letting in dull shots. So we, if you know what I mean, shots that are maybe uh, are accurate, but not, not, should I say that maybe straight that a goalkeeper with a bit of power or they're flapping through or you know diving too late, letting one slip through. The, these types of things are not happening today, which is you know a big relief after last year. So um, you know that <clears throat> that's the main thing, isn't it? But you know, I suppose you always want more. But um, be interesting when we talk about Sunderland now because. Yeah, there, there were certain aspects that were good, but the funny thing is, I'm not sure that, uh, how can I put it, if we'd had 11 men all game, the, the result might have been a bit different, I think. I'm just doing the maths now. Um, in the last nine games, we've only conceded six goals, um, and that is 
include you know from the upturn when we played QPR and and obviously that after the horror show at Cardiff, and we we look at those results after that then and say well this is when we started to come together. So we we've only conceded six goals in the last nine games, and of course three of those were in one game at home to Leicester. So if you disregard that as they were obviously taking the piss out of the rest of the league. Um, three goals in eight games in the other fixtures is 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 not to be sniffed at. Is it Steve showing, as you talked about there, a marked improvement in keeping the opposition out? Yeah, I mean, I think Leicester, you have to sort of take an isolation, not just because we've let in three, but I mean, we were playing against a very good side, really. So, you know, um, I think that was always going to be a more challenging one. But I mean, as you say, yeah, there's there've been a few clean sheets in there. And I mean, Sheffield Wednesday and Millwall were with dominant wins when they I mean a clean sheet of Blackburn obviously won against Sunderland which we'll go on to discuss but I mean yeah it's been a, a big improvement there certainly in the, the more recent games because as we've said there was a big problem for us last year was conceding too many goals and um, you know it's, it is good to see those those clean sheets and I suppose it does coincide really doesn't it with having that more settled um, back line obviously we've talked about Rushworth but we've you know, I think it's obvious now that Darling and Humphreys are regarded as the the first choice centre backs, and then you know Tymon has been playing mainly a left back, and then it was Key, but obviously I know he's injured now. But to be fair, Ashby I think has stepped up the last couple of games. I think there's there's been an improvement there, so that's encouraging. It's a shame that Key is injured, and hopefully he won't be too long until he's back. But um, yeah, I certainly think Ashby has has picked up from earlier in the season, so that's got to be a good thing as well. Yeah, a, a player that's come into the team. Obviously, he was there um, at the start and perhaps struggled to um, get to the pace of the of the you know the <coughs> competitive level of this game and stuff like that. Having played um, all of uh, Newcastle's preseason tour and, and impressed there, but of course, different temperament, different tempo when you get down to the the nitty gritty, especially at this level, the championship is. Is probably one of the most grueling um, with the with the fixture pile up as well, and and the demands that come on with that. But he never. We, we spoke a few times about how unhappy, um, or rather not unhappy, but uh, disappointed we were with his early season performances and how he wasn't quite considering he we made Josh Key play out of position to accommodate him and Josh Key was still doing better despite being on the wrong wing. Um, it was it was a real eye-opener, perhaps for him as well, to see where where he was at. But since he's come back into the team, um, courtesy of that injury to, to Key, he's he's really stepped up again and he's, he looks a lot more confident in the way he's playing as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Um, you know, they could have, he could have scored at Blackburn as well, couldn't he, Ashby? I mean, mm-hmm. there was that... That decent chance. I mean, he's he's pulled the shot just wide, but he just looks like he's maybe. You think about it. He came here, didn't he? Not long before the first game of the season. I mean, it would have been a big change for him coming down here. I mean, geographically coming down from Newcastle to Swansea is a, a big change, as it is. You know, and and playing men's football. I think sometimes people underestimate that. It's uh, you know, it can be a big jump, a bit of a culture shock, and you know, sometimes if you don't start well, maybe you're. Um, you know, it can take a bit of time to get going. So maybe that little break from the first team has has been what he needed, and now he's he's back in, and um, yeah, he'll show us what he can do. But look, the the main thing for us is, will be, and and we certainly didn't have this last year, is competition for places. So it's yeah, going to be a case yeah. of you know, Ashby's got the shirt now. If he carries on doing well, arguably you should keep it, and then um, obviously Key's got to try and win it back off him. But that in theory should always bring the best out of people because. 
we know last year we had major issues in certain positions where you know you couldn't really drop anybody because there was no option but that's not the case now um things have got better because we've decided to add more depth and um you know that's that's a big positive from that then is that um you know Ashby knows he's got to play well to keep the shirt and um you know that will you know give key knows that once he's back he might not necessarily walk back into the team it's a great it's a great problem to have and it's something we haven't said in many years on this podcast but in quite a few positions we do have an embarrassment of riches there's there's little excuse for us not to be able to change it um you know, if we do get an injury or we, we trail in and stuff like that, we've got players that can slot in or offer something different. And through the season, we've seen players like Josh Tymon come out to the team for three or three or four games. And Cabango now, who's out injured and uh, is, is staying on the bench with um, Humphreys and Darling, uh, making up the centre pairing of the four. So and 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 Key's dropping out with injury now, and Ashby's coming. As you say, there's there's players that can slot in and. Um, it's great because it doesn't mean that your whole season hinges on, like if you consider last season as a, as a crude example, if Joel Perot had got injured, you have to wonder how we would have resolved that issue. But with the current situation that the Swans now, Cullen scores the winner of Blackburn. Yates hasn't scored in a, you know, in a few weeks and stuff, but you've got Lowe, um, you know, who's chipped in with a few goals. Patterson has been a resurgence. Ollie Cooper's got a couple. You know, we've got players chipping in. You wouldn't think that one player missing or being rested would 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 ruin our chances of getting a result, would you? No, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, before, like you say, Perot being one of the main ones, really, because we just didn't have any options, did we? I mean, we were always decent in centre midfield, for example, and centre-back. But, I mean, we're talking... Interestingly, about the right back situation, and obviously that was a really key position for us. That was well, it felt like we didn't even have one in the first place because Lata Bodier was playing there all the time, didn't it? And you know, if if Manning was injured or suspended last season, then you're in a situation there where realistically, what do you do? So yeah, you know that I think they were the the key positions really where there just wasn't much depth. I mean, I think at least in the middle in general, there, there was options where. You know, even if you weren't happy about it, but I mean, you think you've similar options to now, isn't it? I mean, you had Grimes, you had Fulton, you had Allen, and obviously Walsh then came back fit and stuff like that. And Cham, of course, Patterson. So you think of it like that. There were actually quite a few players there that could um, that could come into the team, but um, in other positions, it wasn't like that. So mm. it certainly picked up quite a bit um, since then. And, and and like I said, that that really is what you need, isn't it? You. To get best other people quite often, you need to have them thinking, right, if I don't play well, someone's going to have my place, where last year it wasn't like that. And obviously, once Bender got injured, you know, we've spoken about it so many times with the goalkeeper, it, no matter what happened, he wasn't getting dropped. And <laughs> that really needed to happen, didn't it? So, yeah. you know, we've, but we're in a position now where we've got options and that is a good thing. The only thing we don't have is wide players and obviously we're going to have to do something about that. Well, that would be, if you could keep the current lot together and add a, add a few wide players in January there'd be little excuse um, you know uh, because you, you'd have pretty much two minimum two players for every position then wouldn't you um, apart from perhaps goalkeeper but you know really speaking um, you know you, you just really hope that Rushworth plays every game this season as um, as you hope he would and uh There'd be no reason to 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 chop and change that, but 
Um, yeah, you, you, you're just looking at wingers now, aren't you? It's clear to anyone who's got a pair of eyes that the back five being sacrificed was the best thing that's happened to this club in about three and a half, three and a half years. Um, so you know you consider that to be like or two and a half, um, but you consider that to be a massive step forward. And now the recruitment's got to catch up with that, doesn't it? And buy the players for the new positions because we're finding ourselves now with our only real winger, uh, Josh Nelly, out for the year. Um, it's, it's a massive, massive loss because he was coming into his own. Um, but the players that have stepped in and deputising his players, Cullen and Lowe, have uh, have not let the shirt down. Um, in the way they've played but um, let's roll on to Sunderland then Steve because uh, we did start touching on it a few minutes ago but uh, this is a game you come into and you think well you know they're probably in our mini division of this division where you consider they're probably hoping they'll get playoffs and of course with the the money we spent in the summer you'd think that the owners here are thinking can we get an outside chance of playoffs here um, there's a lot of strong teams. It's probably the strongest the championship's been since we've been in it, but you've got to aspire to achieve something at the end of the year. So we'll be in that mini mix with them in the mindset of, can we get up there? Um, so you go into it a little bit thinking, well, what sort of result can we get? We haven't had the best form at home. And um, I didn't actually expect the game to be dictated by the twat in the black really but it was and I should have known better because Bobby Madley's done it time and time again and he's uh, not letting himself down here either Yeah he's not one of our favourite refs is he I think that's uh, fair to say I mean I always remember that game with Stoke years ago where we were two down yeah. we come back to three I think it was literally ten years ago around this time as well which is quite odd isn't it I mean we were like I said we come back to three two up and then he gives a ridiculous penalty for Amball on the line in the last minute, and they equalise 3-3. And obviously, I remember that idiot Mark Hughes coming out and saying that he, he can understand why you give it. It's like, well, yeah, you're the only person that can, and that's because you're unbelievably biased yourself. But um, Absolutely despise that, though. Yeah. He's, you know, Mark Hughes is a funny one. He never used to be that bad, like when he was Wales manager, but he sort of morphed into an incredibly okay. miserable git you know, over the last few years or whatever. But, um, yeah, that, I mean, Madley had a, a terrible game, really, didn't he? I mean, the, the red card for Patino for a start, I mean, I'm not buying it. I couldn't actually believe he'd given it. I mean, I I didn't, I think I turned away and didn't realise he'd sent him off. And I was just like no. flabbergasted, really, that you'd given him a red. I mean, just, just farcical. Um, but he just seems like one of those referees, doesn't he, that, that quite likes to make it about him. And obviously they're the worst type because the best refs will always be the ones that you don't notice. So like if you come away from a game and, and you're not really talking about the ref, you're always like, well, you haven't done anything wrong then, if you know what I mean. And I know sometimes you can you have games, don't you, where decisions can be dodgy and you think they can go either way or ever. But he just seemed to I don't really know what he was doing. Like I, I know he, he left the profession, didn't he, a, a few years back. It's like it's a shame he's come back because he is one of the worst refs and if we never get him again, it'll be too soon, won't it? Yeah, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head there. He's 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 one that loves the limelight and he's loves the, um, you know, loves being the centre of attention. And there was the early booking for Patino, which, I mean, Jesus Christ, it was the first tackle the bloke made, made, and I I would have said in ninety nine times out of hundred, that's a free kick and a quiet word. But if you've booked him, then and then like. 
10 minutes later, there's a blatant... Well, he's pirouetted on the ball. The same guy is pirouetted on the ball. Patino's come and there's been like a, a coming together. But certainly if you just book the bloke as well, in almost every other instance there, the ref would have a final word and just say, listen, you know, you've already been booked, calm down. But no, he could not wait. And and this is the thing about it. It's it's a headline maker in himself. And, you know, he, he, he's been disgraced before. And that's, you know, why he was, uh, you know, booted out of the game and stuff. And um, the man is a disgrace to officiating, to be honest with you. Interestingly, um, I saw someone uh, put on Twitter that um, they were curious as to, in the last year, year or so alone, um, he's refed. Uh, Newport, Wrexham, Cardiff and Swansea and every time he's given very, very dodgy decisions or games against all four Welsh clubs that he's played ref as. So there was that question mark that someone asked then and said at, at some point someone's going to have to ask the question because he's not playing the same game. There was a in, If the game where he's going and booking Patino on his first challenge and then sending him off on his second, yet when given a penalty, the goalkeeper goes up to the penalty spot and kicks the ball away. And yet he ref just doesn't do anything about it. And having seen it, you think, well, what sort of, you're either a strict ref or you're not. You can't just be strict for one team, you know? Yeah, I think that's the problem, isn't it? Like, say with that penalty, you're thinking, well, you know, he was on his case for that. And then he was on Rushworth's case for, for time wasting. And he was doing it with like, and it was ages ago and he wasn't really doing it. At that point, I think later on in the game, maybe fair enough. But I think that but was. He doesn't book Luke on nine for the penalty either. You know? No, exactly. It's these type of penalty for dragging down the box. It's a booking, right? Well, it should be, shouldn't it? I mean, you see some. Obviously, the fact that Patino's had a soft yellow early on and obviously has contributed to a red then. Like, I think they are the type of things that annoy you. Like, sometimes if you've got a strict ref, but he's strict for both, you could say, right, that's not the type of referee and I want to see. But if it's consistent, at least you can consistent. say. Yeah. You know, that that was the approach he decided. It's not one I agree with, but I sort of get it. And he's been consistent, whereas, you know, he's been fussy with us, it feels like, but not with them. It's probably because he'd given us the penalty and he thought to himself, Christ, why have I given them a penalty now? So I better, um, you know, I could have to try and uh, do something that, that helps out Sunderland or something. But I don't know what he was doing. He was, uh, he was bloody awful. But it's nice... Um, you get these moments in football sometimes where you think you're up against it. We've had a couple in the recent years where you think it's us against the world and that siege mentality that can be formed as a result of that. The players were flabbergasted. Michael Duff picks up a book in for screaming and shouting at his displeasure of the referee's performance. Um, and there was a moment then, wasn't it? Particularly, oh, probably about the 55th minute or something like that, where... Um, you're just looking at the clock thinking this is a long old way to go and Sunderland were having all the possession and pushing us back further and further and then, you know, the team dug in, got some crucial blocks in and then the fans reacted and the next 35 minutes were, as I say, there was that siege mentality and, you know, you know, we, we won't be beaten here. We're going to dig in and, and throw ourselves in front of every ball and it was a real nice, nice uh, experience to be part of. The atmosphere was great, and you kind of felt then with the hymns and arias ringing around, and you know, I can't help falling in love with you, and all those songs that kind of rally the the players and stuff. It's, um, you know, it was it was nice, wasn't it? It was nice to get the everyone you know singing off the same hymn sheet. Excuse the uh, pun. 
Yeah, I think um, that that is the one good thing, because the atmosphere was a little bit flat, really, in general on Saturday, I would say, but it did liven up because of, you know, the as you say, a bit of a siege mentality and the fact that uh, the ref wasn't very good. But, I mean, yeah. think about it as well. The first half hour until the red, I mean, we didn't have a lot to shout about, did we? I can barely remember no. us having a shot. And if we're honest, Sunderland carved us open quite a few times and probably should have been in front. I mean, they'll be frustrated that they weren't at that point. And, I mean, obviously, I, I think we were better with 10 men because I felt like then, I, I know, obviously, going forward, we, we were great. And it, it was always going to be hard when you've got a man less. But it, it did feel like then as if, we pulled together a bit and actually had a plan about what we were going to do because in the first half an hour, I thought we were awful, if I'm honest. I mean, it was a really poor home performance and I actually think that the red card helped us and we may well have lost if um, we hadn't had a sending off. So it's a bit of a funny way of looking at it, really, as if I'm a bit concerned at the fact that we were poor and didn't show much and, you know, there was a lot of aimless long balls, but I will at least applaud us in terms of how we dug in and um, and we defended well. And if we're honest, Sunderland, the majority of their chances um, you know, came from sh- shots from outside the box, didn't they? They, yeah. they didn't create too many clear-cut openings after that red card. So, you know, we, that just showed we, we sat quite deep, didn't we? we? We didn't really allow them to play through us because we had a lot of players back and stuff like that. And, yeah, look, we, we made it work, didn't we? So you can't criticise that. But, I mean, the penalty, though, we're going to have to discuss that, aren't we? Because, I mean, from my point of view, look... How can I put this? If penalties don't always get scored, do they? We, we we know that. I mean, the chances. I think if you look on an XG, a penalty is about 0.8. So that tells you four out of five penalties usually get scored, right? But I mean, we'll all accept the odd miss. But what Lowe was doing was just silly. I mean, why would you like? It was. I can't even call it a run up because it was. There was no running. It was just basically like a snail's like crawl to the line, almost trying to be too clever. And the goalkeeper obviously got the right way and, and they saved it. But look, just just don't do that. You're opening yourself up to criticism. The two things you should never do are a stupid stuttering run-up or a chip down the middle. Because if you miss either of them, two, we've got, people are going to be furious. So just literally. Let, let me play devil's advocate here because another famous stutterer, Andrea Yu, scored almost all of his penalties, barring the odd one. Um, could we Would we be having this conversation if he walks up to that and the keeper dives the wrong way? Um, I probably, given how slow the run-up was, definitely. I mean, I think if you do one little stutter and you're waiting to see if the keeper moves, I think that's not quite as bad. I still personally don't like it, if I'm honest. Yeah. But I mean, what Lowe was doing was he was barely moving, was he? It was just. It was a, a poor penalty as well. I mean, it was it was practically only just just left of center. So yeah. perfect height for the keeper as well. So it wasn't as if keepers, you know, had to climb clamber over yeah. to the corner to claim it. It wasn't a great connection. Um. I think, to be honest with those penalties, it's always the same, isn't it? You start your run-up, the keeper gets, you know, you know, egg, hands in his pants really ready to dive, and then the striker's looking for the keeper, which way is he leaning, which way is he going to jump? But in this instance, the keeper had his book, you know, he, he completely read Lowe's game, and he stayed he stayed upright till the very last second. So Lowe, having walked up to the ball, then has to make his own mind up because the keeper's not giving him anything. And of course, then as soon as he wraps his foot around that, the keeper's made his mind up and it has to be a really good penalty then because he, he's going to go the same way as the ball. Uh, if it isn't a good penalty, as we saw, it ends up being quite an easy save. That's the problem, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it looks silly, doesn't it? And I was fuming, to be honest, because I was thinking, well, we're, we're up against it here now. We've managed to get ourselves a penalty. 
And you're thinking to yourself, well, if this goes in, we've at least got a good chance here of not losing because obviously it's going to be difficult for Sunderland to get two because we've obviously got ten. Which means we're going to sit behind the ball, yeah. Yeah, it gives you something to hold on to. Now, I know in the end, we did manage to get a draw anyway, but he just shouldn't have done it. That's the truth. He, he, He needs to learn from this. And, you know, from my point of view with a penalty, just pick your spot and, and go for it. Don't muck about. You know, don't try and be too clever because when you try that, because eventually, as you've seen, it, it backfires, didn't you? Like, I'd always argue, try and go for the, like, the Rue van Nistelrooy approach. Um, low and hard. Try and get it into the side netting. And, you know, those penalties in general are very, very difficult to save. And if you, if you can get them into the side netting, obviously you run the risk the closer you go to that post that you miss the target. Yeah. And obviously Rude Van Nistro is the best striker in the world, doesn't he, in his, in his years? Yeah, so. but you can, you can uh, practice it, can't you? That's the thing. Mm. You spend hours trying to perfect it. I know you can't replicate the pressure of a normal game or whatever, but it is something you can just practice and try and hit the same spot. And, you know, but the, mm. the fact is, like I said, people... You, no one will score every penalty. We'll, we'll all accept that, but don't miss like that. That That's the the issue, really. I can't imagine Duff was very happy about it. No, absolutely not. He can't. You know, he's, he doesn't seem the type to enjoy uh, anything fancy anyway, does he? Well, <laughs> like, I can that, imagine if he was taking a pen, he, he just put his foot through it. <laughs> yeah, like a Graham Alexander pen. Or Matthew yeah, just run, <laughs> Exactly, run straight at it and... Absolutely thwack it. But yeah, I think, well, I mean, listen, you couldn't begrudge him taking it at the time. He'd scored his previous two, um, but Grimes has also scored one this season. So you wonder now if the next one comes along, um, whether that, and, and we, we don't talk about the fact that we've, you know, had quite a few penalties this season compared to what we normally get. So it does show us that rather than the slow, patient, sideways build-up, which takes us, um, gets the opposition back in place. The fact that we are playing a little more quick ball forward and direct with our play is getting us into positions which is winning us penalties this year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the, the time we were getting the most penalties was probably on the Rogers, wasn't it? When we had Dyer on one side and Sinclair on the other. And I think yeah. often they were the people that ended up being fouled for for penalties. So I think if Janelli had managed to to stay fit, then they'd been even more. Obviously, he won us one, well, didn't he? Won he? Won one, didn't Wednesday. He? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you think those type of players are always more likely to win your pen. So it'd be a good thing now if we can get uh, somebody in in January because obviously that that does have to be the priority, doesn't it? So um, yeah, like you say, it is good to see us winning more penalties at least because you know obviously we know they're they're a golden chance to score, aren't they? and obviously if you're winning them, it just shows you that you're asking questions, you know, in the opposition area, and you're like forcing a foul, aren't you? So you know that it's good play. Two I want to highlight from this one. Carl Rushworth again, we say this every game, and Harry Darling. Yeah, Darling headed a lot of corners out, didn't he? I mean, he was very good in the air, to be fair to him. Um, and yeah, like you say, Rushworth again, just he bailed us out a few times, didn't he, as, as he often does. I mean, it'll, I think by the end of the season, this is going to sound like a broken record talking about it. But <laughs> yeah, no, they, they did well. And, you know, defensively, it, it was really good. I think you'd have to be honest and say that Last year, we probably would have ended up uh, losing that, wouldn't we? But, well, we've uh, seen this game last year, haven't we? We've seen games like this where you're just hoping, see it out, see it out, and there's just a lapse in concentration then, and they sneak in on the back and bang, a goal goes in, and, and then oh, you're set up then to defend. And if you can't then twist back to be an attacking team, you end up, you know, 
defending the defeat, essentially. You're really struggling. Like, had Sunderland scored late on in that game, you'd have to wonder, would we be able to go back the other end and claim an equaliser? Probably not. But you'd have to you'd have to say we were set up then, with especially with Cabango coming on to turn it into a back five or a centre back three at least. But we were like a back seven at that point, I mean. But yeah, you know, again, another player who came on did his job admirably. Yeah, definitely. I think it was that that was a sensible move. I think I may have not have done it as early as we did it, but um, you know, I think as as the game got later, I think it's sort of inevitable you're going to end up dropping deeper again, aren't you? And the opposition are going to try and force uh, uh, you know us in, into a mistake and put us under more pressure. So you know I could understand why that um, why that sub was made really. And you know Cabango in those situations is is always likely to he's, well he's, he's good in the air. He's more your old school defender, isn't he? So you know um, yeah I think a sensible sub. I, I probably would have made it a few minutes later though if I'm honest. Yeah yeah I think in the end it all looks so much better because the desired result was achieved wasn't it I mean from the moment we went down to 10 you're thinking well to be honest up until this point it's been looking all Sunderland so what's it going to look like now um, and in the end we were we were far better as a unit having lost Patino not not because we lost Patino but as a result of our tactical switch um, it's hard to know and, and I completely validate your point about you know we were better with a with 10 because we were but we've had seen on a few games this season already that we've gone through fits and starts in our performance I remember Norwich at home where in the second half they batted us for about 35 minutes and in the last 10 minutes we batted them and you just think we've just found a second win from somewhere so I mean it's all hypotheses and whether you think Sunderland would have gone on to win that game comfortably if there was 11 versus 11 possibly but you know we could never say for sure because the way we sometimes turn into games and turn away from them and our form comes in and out during the same match is is it's all predicting how it would have gone really, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, but it it certainly felt like then at the first half hour until the red card. Oh, they were a much better the, team for the that first half hour. Ascendancy. They were creating chances and cutting us open. And it did feel like a, a goal was a matter of time away. I think that yeah. was the, the problem. And it, and it felt like we weren't threatening at all, didn't it? So, the red card did change the game and uh, it would be interesting actually to hear what a Sunderland fan thought about it because, you know, do they almost feel a bit like they were doing well and the red card didn't really help them? Well, to be honest with you, Sunderland and Swansea have experienced this exact thing at the Stadium, at Light, stadium of Light last year. Yeah, where Luke and, and got we, red we dominated the ball, didn't we? But we didn't create we went the ball. But we did end up winning, as you say. Yeah, and, and I think that sort of thing then is probably going to add to their frustration because they've bemoaned their lack of firepower, looking at what their fans are saying in terms of they can't stick the ball in the back of the net, and that's been an ongoing issue for them. Um, but having seen them, you know, come against us who were poor with 11 and then back to the wall with 10, and them not being able to really, you know, ask too many serious questions, as you say, the long shots aside they, they were just hopeful efforts really um you say their better chances certainly came before we had a man sent off and, and that's where they would probably look at and say well you should have scored in that period but um yeah you know they when we when they went down to 10 up there we eventually carved them open i think we scored three in the end and um and won the game quite comfortably so um it's uh it's a lesson you know you need to have when the opposition 
put so many players behind the ball and, and ahead and everything away, you need to think of something else. You you can't just... And the longer the game went on, you felt like that's all they had, isn't it? They were putting balls in the box, trying to get... And you're thinking, this is meat and drink for Humphreys, Darling and Cabango. And then when it came back out, and it was one moment um, which I've, I've, I've spoken about on, on, on Twitter, which was... Uh, when the corner came in and Darling, um, I think he blocked the initial shot for the corner as well. But the corner came in, he wins the header from the corner and races to the edge of the box then to block the follow-up shot. And you're thinking at that point, that is siege mentality 101, isn't it? The players were throwing their bodies on the line and everyone was willing, you know, there was, you know, the 16,000 in that stadium willing Swansea just to, to see it out because it was such a mammoth effort in that second half. Yeah, exactly. I mean, inevitably, you're going to tie around you as a as it goes on. But there was a lot of really good, like last ditch defending, really, wasn't there? And a lot of bodies on the line, and you could just sense the real determination, really, to make sure that we came away with something. And um, I felt in the end, we we deserved it, to be honest, because, like I said, we battled well, and the opposition didn't really do a lot, as we said. With, with um, I think in the end, they were only going to score through a wonder goal. Or if someone made a mistake, really, and um, they didn't yeah. get either. Yeah, I was thinking the only chance they're going to have here. There was a there was a few times where they got in behind after Ashby got um, picked up an injury. I think they targeted that side as well, and they got in behind him a few times and cut it back to ten yards out. And there was no one there to stick it away. But you were thinking at some point here we're going to get an unfortunate flick on or a deflection or something that's going to see a go past the helpless Rushworth because other than that, you couldn't see how they were going to score. But, um, you know, they kept trying. And to be fair to us, we were so, you know, resolute and that back line. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's nice then. Everyone went home and, you know, Sunday would have come down here thinking a point isn't certainly not the worst result in the world for them. And for us, um, given the way the game went, a point is certainly a point gained. Well, it's got to be a point gained, and I think without a doubt. Um, I mean, honestly, if we scored that penalty at half time, I still would have been thinking to myself, uh, I'd probably still take a, a draw at that point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, you you know how games can turn on ahead, and you would have thought then, well, Sunderland are going to bring on an extra striker and, and start committing men at us then, and they because they'll have nothing to lose. Of course, there's probably only really did that after about the 65th minute, I think, or something like that. They started making those. Um, very attacking substitutions, but um, yeah, I, I would uh, I would be I'd be surprised if the get result didn't go differently had it been eleven versus eleven. But it is hard it is hard to predict with the way that we play um, how it would have turned out. But everyone's happy in the end, and, and Duff comes away and says how proud he is, and the fans are going home happy on a Saturday night despite the goalless draw at home. It's you know, it's a rallying spirit that everyone uh, everyone gets behind, don't they? Yeah, I think there's not many times you cheer uh, a nil-nil. I think the, the most obvious one was <laughs> that Nottingham Forest game in the playoffs. Obviously, the, the, that's the greatest. Yeah. I mean, we had a nil-nil at Anfield, didn't we, in the first year in the Prem? And I, I remember Wales drawing in Belgium once in, for the qualifying for 2016. So there's, the, those ones stand out, really, because, you know, in general, no one relishes a nil-nil, do they? But... Um, you know, I think in the end, everyone was really pleased with it. And it did, you know, if it's ever going to feel like a win, it was probably the other day, wasn't it? Yeah, and interestingly, the um, the Forest, when you talk about, again, was another a 10-man game, wasn't it? Where you just think, 
you know, you have to dig in. You have to all play as the same team now and make sure there's no gaps in between players um, to be exploited. And that one, it, it did feel like, um, you know, we had our destiny in our hands then because if they can't beat us in their own ground when we've got 10 men for 89 minutes, then you have to think then that when they've come down year 11 versus 11, we are favourites. And, and that was the shared feeling, wasn't it? When yeah, that I don't think it is, but that's another one where the ref has screwed us and it just gives yeah. me the perfect chance just to say that Mike Dean is the worst ref who's ever lived. <laughs> he's still involved. He's still getting involved in the games. and, and uh, He, he can't leave him, man. He's an attention seeker, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he, he he's retired several times over the past few years, but uh, man but can't He was going to retire during COVID, but obviously he couldn't retire without a crowd because his ego needs it. Yeah, yeah. I once said you off on your Mike Dean tirade. I know. I just where does Bobby Madley fit? Because there's been three or four instances with Mike Dean with Swans related. Um, of course, when they involve uh, Cardiff games, it really or playoff game for us. Um, it's you know those are always the ones that hurt more. But um, I mean, Bobby Madley's racking him up as well now, isn't he? He's an attention-seeking uh, tosser. Yes, but Mike does remain the worst. There's other instances with Mike. I remember once I went to Spurs and Michu was down with a head injury. And he took an eternity to call on. Um, like uh, the physio, I remember thinking, like, you do realise his head injury, you absolute clown. Um, so, yeah, uh, Mike is the worst of the worst. And he had to make, the thing is, in a big game, he had to make it all about him, didn't he? If you know what I mean. That, that was like his chance again, just to, you know, put himself in the limelight and all this crap. And it did feel with him as well, as if he had a problem with us. But I can assure him if he's listening, which he's not, we've got a far bigger problem with him than he's got with us. Uh, madly is not very madly is no he's not very good is he Let, let's be realistic about it i mean look we're all grateful that people are willing to be refs and stuff like that but if he decided to walk away i think uh there would not be any tears shared here i mean he went off to norway or something didn't he i think uh i can only hope he goes back there yeah and um yeah Plenty of opportunity to add in some slanderous comment here, but I'll resist the temptation. There was a few chants from the stands, which uh, if anyone was uh, in the stadium on Saturday, they will uh, certainly probably recall them. But uh, well, well, I mean, if he goes back to Norway, I mean, ch- chance to uh, you know go dog walking and stuff like that. Isn't it? <laughs> oh well, this is on you now. The slander is out there. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, you know it was another poor performance from a ref, but a great point. So. Do you want, Steve, two games we've reviewed here, four points. I mean, you would have taken that beforehand. You would have thought that was a good return. And crucially, after the last podcast where we played so poorly in the game and people were saying, oh, that's it now, the wheels are falling off, my good Duff, he's got to go and stuff like that. And we spoke in that last, last podcast about how this trio of games um, could be big and how he needs a win in them to assure fans that that performance was the... The, the the Watford performance was the was was the standout and not the norm. You know that was going to be the one that was just in isolation, and we spoke about that a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? And we said it's really important now that we bounce back. And you know, fair to say, four points in two games, you can't grumble at that. No, I don't think so. I mean, like I said, I, I did see things that alarmed me against Sunderland because I thought the performance was crap until the the red card. But yeah, look, I mean, four points from two games, it's you know, I think everyone in terms of points has, has got to be fairly happy with that, and they certainly an improvement on uh, what we saw previously. Yeah, and again, it, it just it's a steady improvement. And I know we talked last time about how the first seven games has 
miserable and ultimately um, horrible they were to watch from a Swans perspective. Um, you take them aside, four points in two games, can't grumble, even if there were signs there you weren't too happy with with the performances. And um, as I was going to say, Steve, that it looks like when you consider, if we talk about the opening seven games and how poor they were to watch as a Swans fan and how miserable those results were as well with no wins, um, take them aside. And the form since, and the, certainly the results since, suggest the top four or five team, you know, in the promotion hunt. So the, the turnaround has been remarkable, really, isn't it, in terms of getting the results since then. it's It's been a massive upturn in the points. But it does feel a bit mad, doesn't it? I mean, you look at the, the game with Bristol City where we were really poor, for example. I mean, if I'd said to you at that point that one of these two managers here will not be in a job um, at the end of October, I mean, I'd have said straight away, well, it's got to be tough because we were completely outplayed by Bristol City. And you think that now they've made a change and, and Duff is still here and is is quite safe, really. So it is a funny one how, how football can, can turn out. I mean, it, obviously, we thought his job was seriously on the line, but he's managed to turn it around. And like you say, if you look at the points tally over the last you know, nine games or so, then, yeah, there probably aren't too many teams that have, have got more points than us. So... Yeah, it has turned around a lot. I mean, we'll we'll see how we go, I suppose, over the next few now. But um, yeah, certainly think that um, things have, have improved without a doubt, haven't they? I mean, I've I've still not enthused by some things that I see, but you know, you you can't argue with some of the, like I said, the, the improvement of us defensively, for example, has got to be a good thing. Yeah, exactly, and and we're not short of goals either, which is something which. Um, was perhaps a concern when we lost Joe Piro in the summer. Um, it's great to see that we've got goals coming in from lots of places and scored three on numerous occasions this season. So long may that continue and, and long may the results continue because if you keep it quite keeping it tight one end and scoring quite freely at the other, then that's always a recipe for success, isn't it? But you segued us quite nicely there onto the Next game, Steve, where you talk about how we continue. Well, if Leicester was hard, we're probably not going to have much of a respite in this game because we go to uh, Portman Road to play Ipswich, one of the other runaway teams this so, so far this season. Yeah, I mean, they've had a, a hell of a start, haven't they, to life back in this division. I mean, obviously been out of it, haven't they, for a while. I mean, the last time we played them, I think, was the first year that we'd come down out of the Prem, wasn't it? I mean, you remember that crazy game where they beat us 3-2, where... We dominated really and somehow lost. Bit of a story was there, wasn't there? Really under Graham Potter. The goal of the season. Yeah, the the great Selena goal, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean they they did superbly last season. Really, I mean it was quite a an intense promotion race, wasn't it? But they were brilliant for keeping clean sheets when it got to you know the business end of the season. Really, wasn't it? And you know they've sort of picked up where they've they've left off. I mean, I don't think anybody certainly. I, I wasn't surprised that they've done well. I mean, I thought they could easily be a team that could be in and around the playoffs, but I didn't expect them to be, what is it, about eight points inside the top two at this stage. I think it's, it's quite remarkable, really. I mean, whether they'll stay there or not, I don't know. But, you know, they they have done superbly, to be fair. I mean, they've their last couple away from home, they, I think they were two down the weekend against Birmingham and come back to 2-2 when well, they had a, a draw at Rotherham then um, last night. So, um, you know, they're, they're still ticking over, really, although by their standards, so not one in two games considering how well they've done is probably uh you know I'm not sure they've had that all season really so but yeah look it's going to be a tough game in it and we know it's uh 
it's a brutal trip uh, to go uh, all the way there. So fair play to anyone that is uh, that is making the effort. But it, it looks like a tough game, doesn't it? We've got to be honest. Uh, I think if we were to get anything there, we'd, we'd have done very well, wouldn't we? Yeah, you'd have to think so. Um, you say quite often you do see um, there are come a few teams that tend to sit in that middle ground between League One and the Championship. We talk about your Wiggins and your Rotherhams and stuff like that in that situation. This season, of course, Sheffield Wednesday. Um, but uh, there are other teams, of course, that can come through with such... Well, you've got the whole town behind you. You've got you've had such a great season. Everyone's talking about you know the glory days returning, etc. And you can carry that on for the first few months of the new season just on momentum alone, can't you? And certainly, whilst I'm not disparaging them or talking them down on their performances um, it does seem to be the momentum from last season has carried on into this oh definitely I mean you, you do see it happen don't you I mean teams sometimes you know they get a bit of, a bit of momentum behind them and um, you know they can be tricky to stop I mean, we, we've seen a few times haven't we teams have back-to-back promotions I mean I know we didn't do it under Kenny Jacket but I mean you, you look at um, we started the next season like I was on fire really didn't we I mean the the feel-good factor and the momentum that we built up um, just stayed there, really, didn't it? So there is always that um, that possibility, really. And, um, you know, Ipswich certainly have, have done that. I mean, they've got an exciting young manager, haven't they, in Kieran McKenna. They'll be desperate, I would have thought, to to keep hold of him. They'd be very concerned if someone decided to try and poach him. But, um, yeah, I think Ipswich must be, you know, they've been out of the top flight for over 20 years now. So this is... You know, one of the strongest that they've they've been since then. I mean, I think when they first came out, came down in 2002, I think they were, you know, they had a couple of goals in the playoffs, didn't they? But since then, I think under other than one season under Mick McCarthy, I think they've they've struggled really, or they've they've been in mid table. So I mean, they certainly weren't a promotion contender um, during our stint in the championship. I mean, uh, about 15 years ago or so. I mean, when when obviously we. We finished just outside the playoffs a couple of times and then got in there and went up. I mean, they weren't. Uh, I don't think they ever finished above us during that time. So, yeah, there there, there must be a real feel good factor at Portman Road at the moment, and um, it is going to be. I would have thought certainly our toughest away test so far. Yeah, and that is really. We you talk about where you, we talked a few weeks ago how we'd measure our progress. Um, having played Leicester. Uh, coming back off that uh, international break, and you think, well, okay, they were just a cut above. We did, but we did compete for um, large parts of it. But when it came down to it, they they just they just showed their quality, bringing likes of Ian Archer off the bench. And here's another example of measuring where we are at, really, isn't it? Because this is the other team um, that has well the division and been difficult to stop. Um, you know, we've come up against some tricky tricky test so far. I mean, we did remarkably well at uh, Plymouth away, albeit their form had hit an indifferent patch by the time we meet that we met them. Um so this is um this is one that's really going to test uh Michael Duff and and the and the squad's acumen really. And you know what we can come up to we haven't got obviously a full strength squad to pick from and we have had to play um, players who were otherwise maybe been on the bench, but that is the beauty of having the depth that we spoke about earlier on. And um, you know, really speaking, Steve, the players that are going to play should be licking their lips at this because you know it's another opportunity for them to make the division sit up and take note and say, well, actually, Swansea City might be a team this season that could be around the top six when they when the final final balls kicked. Well, I mean, 
there is we do have a, an opportunity to, to do that, judging from the form that we've had recently. But it does feel like a huge ask. I mean, mm. I mean, from my point of view, this is the type of game where you know, if anything that we manage to get is has got to be a bonus. But I mean, like you say, it's there's not really a lot of pressure on this game. I don't think because you know they're a side that that has done remarkably well so far this season. So it is going to be very difficult for us to get a result. But I mean, we are sometimes the type of team as well, though, that that plays better against a side like this. I mean, how many times have we struggled against the the lesser side, should we say, and certainly the sides that maybe come down to us and, um, you know, sit a lot of men behind the ball, don't really try to to do much other than catch us on the break. And, uh, you know, you would have thought with if just been at home, they'll be on the front foot and they'll, they'll try and get after us and maybe that'll give us a chance. So, um you know, um, that, that's how we have to try and look at it. But um, anything we get, from my point of view, would be a bonus. I think a point would be a great result there. Oh, absolutely. And uh, going to international break and, you know, from where we were um, earlier in the season, it's a it's a great upturn. We were looking pretty much uh, stuck in the bottom six group back then. Um, after that defeat to Cardiff, where you thought, God, it's going to take three or four good results just to get us out of this little little hole we were in at the bottom. Um, now we find ourselves, as we speak here, um, on 13th, uh, in 13th place, um, with a with a bit of a buffer towards in the bottom three. We spoke a couple of weeks ago, Steve. We'd be shocked if the bottom three weren't, um, you know, at least two of those three weren't concerned with that at the end of the season there because they're already five points adrift down there rather on QPR and Sheffield Wednesday and there does appear to be a, something of a gulf between the teams at the bottom now than, and the ones that were necessarily there in the first five or six weeks of the year. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, it, it seems unlikely that Sheffield Wednesday are going to stay up, doesn't it, for example? I mean, like you say, the likes of Rotherham and QPR are struggling. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm fairly sure that... Uh, how can I put it, that we won't finish below them. I mean, if, if we finish below any of them, I'd be very concerned. So, uh, you know, I, I think we'll we'll be okay in that sense. But um, as you say, I mean, it, it, there are a few lesser teams and I think I, I'm not surprised that those three are down there. I, and I don't think many people probably are. I mean, Rotherham are always a small team really at this level. QPR have been a bit of a shambles and they over a period of time and obviously Sheffield Wednesday came up, but you'd think with a big team may have had some momentum, but obviously the chairman is seems intent on running it into the ground. So understand and of course they changed the manager, which seemed very harsh. And yeah, I think uh it's not a shock that they're down there then either. Yeah, um, you know, you do get a point. We do get a point. We could potentially um, you know, well, we'd certainly consolidate our position, you'd think, around the mid-table mark going into next international break. And what did your view be then on where we're at? Because that would be 16 games in, which is, what, just over a third of the season gone. Um, it's very difficult to give us a, a, you know, a report card, isn't it? Because if you judge it at the start of the season, horrendous, and we're looking at when he's going to get sacked rather than if, and all the rumours came out, and then almost... With a flick of a switch after that Cardiff game, um, it it seemed to all the rumours stopped. The results started coming, and um, Michael Duff all of a sudden has found something in that squad to to get us propelled up the league. Yeah, like you say, it is a it is a funny one because of the the peaks and troughs that we've seen. I mean, 
the moment has been since the last international break. It's probably been a bit more normal, isn't it? Two defeats, then a win, and then a draw. I mean, you know, that's you know four points from from the four games. I mean, that's uh, it's it's not brilliant as it overall, but it's at the same time it, it it's a bit more average, isn't it? Whereas opposed to before, we were seeing obviously twelve points from from four games, and obviously before that, what was it, three points from seven or something? So you know, four from four seems a bit more normal, really. Um, but I think we've seen progress defensively. We're definitely better. Um, you know, the the problems we've got, as I've said, really, is the lack of wide players, which do limit us in terms of of this formation, really. Um, I do, th- I from my point of view, we do see too many aimless long balls at times. I think that that does frustrate me. I, I've got to be honest about that. I think, you know, we've got to be better on the ball at times, trying to keep it better and stuff like that. I mean, you know, I don't want to see us aimlessly lumping it up the pitch. I, th- I just don't, I, I think we're better than that. When we've been successful, we've never done that. So I don't think we should be doing it now. So, um, you know, those type of things. I don't think Duff is a Swansea way person, should we say. I think, you know, so he's not my ideal manager, but I can see some positives with him. And, um, you know, the yeah. fact is, because results are picked up or whatever, then you're not going to make a change, really, are you? But, yeah, um, we'll just have to see how we go. Yeah, how do you, how do you judge this? Because um, I agree, he's, he's, he's a step away from your, your Martinez and Rogers, etc., and, and, the, and the managers, uh, even, even Russell Martin as well, of course, who would get everyone rallied behind them. But we had, under the more recent, as we talk so often on this podcast of style versus substance, we've had two substance managers and two style managers. Now, our two star managers in Pot and Russell Martin have both got us mid-table finishes. And the two substance managers could potentially be a lot more results-based. And where the, how you sit on that spectrum is is completely a personal opinion. Um, you have but, got to look at it another way, though, I think. The, the substance managers have had significantly better backing in the transfer market. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, they do. They, I mean, Cooper had the the parachute payments spent on all those Premier League loans, and Potter had uh, a youth squad to pick, and of course, Jose Martin didn't get backed, and now we've spent millions on replenishing the squad for um, Michael Duff. You're you're absolutely right with that assessment. Yeah, I mean, well, like I said, Potter had limited options, and also the players that he had. I know people will say, oh, well, he had Ro- Ro- uh, Roden. Roberts, James, McBurney. But we've all got to remember, these guys, especially at the start, were incredibly inexperienced. There was no guarantee they were going to be that good. Luckily for us, they were. But, I mean, Dan James at the start, particularly, I would say, wasn't very good. But then grew into it. And, I mean, we were really short, weren't we? I mean, Martin Olsen got injured in the December. And, you know, we were we were short then in that position, for example. And, you know, at centre-back, we did only have three centre-halves all season uh, as another thing. So... We were stuffed there, and Martin was. But I mean, as soon as um, whatever it's called, once Trevor Birch came in, there was more of a plan, and Cooper was given back in with loan signings, and you know it did feel like there were there were options there. We had five centre backs at one point, for example, compared to three the year before. I mean, that's a massive change, isn't it? And I mean, and this guy in general has been backed. I mean, he can Duff can say that he hasn't. You know, we don't have wingers or whatever. But the reason we don't have him is because he didn't want to play him. So. You know, you, he can't argue that he's he's not been backed. So I think that's what's interesting about it. Yeah, that maybe the substance ones could end up looking the better ones. But I mean, it's not really a fair playing field, I don't think. I mean, if Martin had been backed, 
even a little bit. I think three points off the playoffs may have been in the playoffs, as an example. And I think in the same way, you look at, well, Porter was, was shafted with, other than McBurney, we didn't really have a striker, did we? We had Baker Richardson, but I mean, he's playing in League Two now, I think, which says it all. So I think that's what you're up against, really. I think it's not really a, a fair like comparison. Very interesting to see how the, the two sets of managers have been treated um, on different circumstances, isn't it? And how one has seen, but you have to, you know, when you look at the way the games are played out, you know, we did plenty of stinkers so far this season under Michael Duff, but so often under the other managers, Potter and Martin, you'd find us outplay the opposition and 75% possession and concede absolute stinker of a goal, you know, and you just, you'd end up thinking, God, they put so much into that. And um, that was obviously the disappointment of them, but the football was an absolute joy. So, we are where we are. As long as you City, I guess, is the assessment. We're mid-table. We pretty much deserve to be where we are because we had such that horrible start that the upturn since then, Steve, could only cover up so much, can't it? So we're going to have to see where we end up after this Ipswich game and indeed after the international break because, you know, we, we come to a point then when you, you really start to see the, the packs, if you like, of the division start to be formed, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And... Um... You know, as ever, opinions are, you know, are formed over periods of time, and the longer the manager has, the longer opinions will be um, will be formed. But you know, we're, we're just going to have to wait and see how, how things play out. The fact is, the manager, um, you know, I, I can't say he's he's my favourite necessarily, but you know, I can see some positives there, and you know, we'll have to just see how it plays out, really. Well, hopefully, it'll be a. If it's anything, it'll be might be like that Sousa situation where he's uh, he's coming to solidify the defensive issues that the previous manager left behind, and maybe when he goes, he goes with uh, a shake of the hand and uh, you know wish him well, and the next manager can come in and put the pieces together. But uh, absolutely see how that goes. Um, we before we finish the podcast, I know you said you'd be uh, delighted with a point at Portland Road. Portland Road, I would completely agree with that uh, it would be a great point for us to take into the international break but as ever Steve we've got to end on something positive so have you got any nuggets for us this week uh, I don't know if I have to be honest with um, well the week after we, we we can't lose so you know because there's no game that's one way of looking at it but we could be you know we could be stewing on this can we I mean if, it, if we do lose because there isn't a game for two weeks but look we'll just have to wait and see the fact is you know we're in it. We're about a third of the way through the season now, aren't we? So, you know, I think we um, we've got a, a reasonable gap to that that bottom three. So, from that point of view, if we do lose on the weekend, it's not really the end of the world, is it? But you know, we'll we'll wait and see. Um, you know, we'll you know, I I do think Leicester, or oh, sorry, not Leicester, Ipswich, they they're not gonna you know probably maintain the pace that they they have done so far this season. I'm not saying they're not going to go up, but I mean, I certainly think they're they're going to be a strong candidate to finish in the playoffs, but you know there's, there's a chance they may not. Um, you know, they, they like I said, they may start to drop a few more points. They've not won in the last couple, so you know we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, but I think there's no time for we don't need to be, you know, uh, panicking too much if we we were to lose. I mean, we, we've seen some positives recently, and um, you know the like I said, the league table doesn't look terrible now. It certainly looks a lot better than two months ago. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that, and. Uh... And we go. Our final thought from Steve there, 
uh, your mood for the next two weeks will be determined by the game on Saturday. So let's get behind the poise and hope that we can set ourselves up for a nice fortnight and uh, another couple of steps up that league ladder. Um, cheers, Steve. That was a lovely chat about the last couple of weeks and uh, hopefully we'll get back on in a couple of weeks' time before the game uh, after the international break. But from myself and Steve, thanks for listening. I'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. Yeah. Uh-huh.